Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie. And this episode comes to you straight from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory in the Juicing Room. Because today we're discussing creepy children's stories. I have Rococo by the Arcade Fire stuck in my head. Love that song. P- probably, It reminds yes. me of our dating years. Well, I was going to say it's in my head. Year? We didn't even date be- for more than one year. Because <laughs> the... <laughs> it's in my head because it's about children and they're singing this song and they don't know what word they're using. Oh, and that's right. creepy. So that's probably why it's in my head. Fitting. You know what's also creepy? The fact that most businesses that we drive by, they can't be real things. Like today I was driving and I saw... There was a big sign and it said Gunnerson Professional Center. What, what, does is that even, yeah, what does that mean? What's a professional center? Like a professional center for what? <laughs> and I feel like I see businesses that are like that all the time. Oh, yes. I don't know if it's just a Utah thing. Our Maybe. economy is booming and we get a lot of startups here. And True. They just all have weird names. That mean nothing. You drive past and you're like Regency and you're like, okay, but what does Regency do? Well, and the worst thing about Gunnerson Professional Center is it doesn't exist. It was just on this corner, and it was just an empty lot, but there was a big sign that said Gunnerson Professional Center, but there's no building for it. (laughs) Like it was going to come up? Or it doesn't, it's not there. Or there's an evil villain's lair underneath the ground, but he forgot to build the building on top of it. Mm. He ran out of money. That's why he needs to rob the bank, so he has enough money to Build build the fake building on top of the lair. He ran out of money building the sign that just says Gunnerson Professional Center. And that's his cover? Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm going to be really serious here and logical and lame and say that a professional center is probably just they're going to build a building that professionals can rent office space in, like doctors and chiropractors and optometrists. Interesting. Yeah, it could be. You're so smart. (laughs) (laughs) My first thought is evil villain. Well, that's way cooler than thinking about an optometrist. So who really wins here? The villainous optometrist. Yes. <laughs> Best of both world. words. Worlds. <laughs> Casey, I have a very important question for you. Okay. What slang or trend makes you feel really old? Because we're going to talk about children stories today. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like a child anymore. Sometimes I do. But I consider myself a child until something I come across and I'm like, oh, I feel really old. Hmm. I don't and know. you work in the schools, so you probably feel this even more than I do. Well, yeah, but I'm going to go back before I worked at a school. And this isn't really a trend, but I was working when I worked at the Lego store and we had little stations where people could build their own minifigures. Right. And you give them an accessory. And one of the accessories was a record. And I, a kid was like, what's this? And I said, and he, he was fairly young, like probably... I don't know, second or third grade, maybe maybe even younger, kindergarten. I don't remember. It was a while ago. But the point was I gave him, or he asked me, what, what's this? And I said, that's a record. Um, they were big and they're kind of like giant CDs. And that started to make me feel old having to explain, explain that. But then the kid's dad said, he doesn't know what CDs are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then I felt really old. Our children with their worlds of MP3. Everything's digital. Everything's but digital. that baffled me that he didn't. Even know what a CD is. Know what a CD was. Like, it's one, like, I understand it if he doesn't record. know what a record That's fair enough. Is, but Tape, you don't expect children to know about, you know. No, because tapes aren't 
takes. making a comeback like vinyl is. Right. So, well, like vinyl did. It's been a while. But I, I don't know that's a, a trend, but uh, that made me feel pretty sad. Mm. I feel like anytime a new app comes up, like I saw an ad for TikTok. What the heck is that? I don't know what that does. And then I'm like, you know, like I have zero desire to get on and create an account and learn you just the ins and out of a new app. Like I feel so old that I just have zero desire to even be in the sphere of the apps that everybody else has. Mm-hmm. Like Snapchat, TikTok. I don't even know what all the other ones are out there. Yeah, Snapchat I tried for a day and I was lost and I gave up like See? an old, like an old <laughs> like man. An old man. <laughs> We're so not when, even that old. And but. We're not, but when technology gets away from you, and it moves so fast these yeah. days, that it's really just like, I can't even pretend to try and keep up with it. Yeah, but even when I was young, I was never big into trying to keep up with technology. I don't know, like I just didn't care that much. It's the it's the language that the youths use that I'm lost on. Mm. Like I, I came to yeet way too late. I don't even know what that means. See, you're what's, older what's than a, I am. What's a visco? What is that? Oh, a visco girl? Yeah, what's a visco girl? I heard that term the first time like literally a week ago. Yeah, somebody said that and I was like, I have uh, no clue what that means. It has something to do with those hydro water bottle things. What? I don't know. What's, what? a, what's a hydro water bottle? Well, those special water bottles that like keep your water cold forever. Not like the ones that oh. keep your cold, water cold for a long time, but like forever those are a thing yeah you wanted one though like the flask the hydro flask or whatever they're called right okay but they're somehow connected to visco girls really i don't know that's a weird correlation somebody explain i don't know what the word visco means we could be swearing right now and not know it (laughs) true (laughs) except it's visco they say it that way but it's just spelled v-s-c-o so it's like v-s-k-o I thought it was... Uh, I don't know. Somebody don't who remember. wrote it down on Instagram, they put a C. I don't know if they were right or wrong. How old was this person? Were a mom like age? me? Yeah, oh, she was asking. Gosh. She was like, my daughter used this term and I don't know what it means. And I was like, man, I don't either. <laughs> mm. We just lost all of our listeners, you know. Oh, <laughs> all of our youthful listeners. Well, we need Hurry, them to help us out. use some young words. <laughs> use some hip words. Like rad. <laughs> Legit. These are the ones that were big when we were... <laughs> When we were young. That day glow is rad. <laughs> <laughs> we're creepy. That's what That's what that's, this is. Yeah. We are the creepy adults who no longer understand the youths these days. Mm. But we're going to talk about them anyway. We're going to talk about children's stories that were terrifying to us then and now. Things that hold up on a high creepy level. Whether or, intentionally or unintentionally. Or stuff that's really old and creepy. Because everything that's old is creepy, as we've just established. Everything not that's just, old is creepy. And not just 30 Come years on. plus years old, like us. I just made you 30, but that's not true. <laughs> 29 years old plus, but I'm talking hundreds of years old. The farther back you get, the creepier The creepier get. it is. Mm-hmm. Well, there was definitely a whole era of scary story type. I don't you call them scary story, but um, you know, you think about like the Bronte sisters and their writings and, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and kind of this resurgence of True. creepy stories. But those weren't really for kids, though. No, they were not. Well, where, where do you want to start? Do we want to start with old and just move forward in time? Let's do it. So I was doing some research about, um, I'm always interested in genre and where genres start. And so there was this, this Frenchman who looks very French, if you look up his pictures. He was around in the 1600s, named Charles Perrault. Is that how you'd pronounce that? French expert? Yes. Resident no French expert of Hello from Elsewhere, <laughs> Valerie. A French 
Frenchman, Charles Perrault. And he was basically the father of the fairy tale as a genre in a lot of ways. And this was interesting. a hundred years before the Brothers Grimm. We're going to talk a bunch about the Brothers Grimm in a bit. But a hundred years before that, he was writing um, these, he was collecting fairy tales and folk tales just like just like the Brothers Grimm were. But he wasn't writing it under the impression that these were for kids. You know, children's literature wasn't a thing yet. Um, it was just it was just kind of for whoever wanted to read it, probably mostly for adults. So while his take on, on Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty were creepy, they weren't necessarily for kids. So that's not really what we're talking about. But we jump ahead a bit to the Brothers Grimm uh, about 100 years later, and their collection was literally called Kinder und Hausmarchen. Does that sound German? Did I say that right, do you think? German need to be more resident German expert, Valerie. <laughs> You're giving me too many titles. Okay. I'll never remember them all. Um, which it translates to children's and household tales. So it was meant for kids and they were... Didn't know kinder. Yeah, kindergarten. Kinder eggs. Before we talk about specific stories about of the Brothers Grimm, why are these old stories so creepy? I think part of it is that they were big into moral tales where you scare the child to death into being good, respectful, telling the truth. And they told them in the most terrifying ways possible. Like even simple tales, you think about um, the boy who cried wolf. The kid gets eaten at the end. Right. By the wolf because nobody came because he told a lie too many times. What's scary about that is as you're a kid, some of those stories you don't really think of as scary. But then as you're an adult, you're like, I'm not going to tell that story to my child. Why did my parents (laughs) tell me that story? Because you weren't telling the truth and you needed to be taught that wolves will come to get you. We also have to remember that child psychology was not a thing. And society just considered for a long time children as just little adults. Like there was no study of child um, development for a long time. And and realizing that they are vastly different developmentally uh, from adults. And so I think they just people didn't really care or think about, hey, how is this? really creepy story going going to to affect affect the child the children's so yeah i think that's part of it so which of the brothers grim stories were some of your favorite we did a bit of research bit of research well i was focusing on ones that i'd never heard of that are less common and i read a couple that are common but are vastly different from the disney versions that we read or see well do you want to do those ones first yours uh i just looked up a couple so sleeping beauty Not all that different of a story, except that instead of being asleep, like the whole castle gets put under the spell when Sleeping Beauty pricks her finger, Um, instead of being asleep for like a day or a week, whatever is portrayed in the movie, they are asleep for a hundred years. And people have kind of forgotten about this castle in a lot of ways, except that occasionally princes will hear the tales of a beautiful princess and they want to go and, you know, wake her up. And so they have to get through all the thistles and they end up dying all over the brambles all the time like they never make it through um so there's just dead people all over around the outside of this castle so that's nice well that makes me think of like beauty and the beast because they're sort of transformed for a long time in beauty and the beast right i don't know if it's that long but more than like one winter Mm -hmm. the movie kind of portrays a few yeah a few weekends a few months i mean yeah so i think there's a a relation there between the two stories maybe i don't know though who knows Mm. (laughs) somebody knows we need a resident expert on children's well, fairy tales. Beauty and the Beast is a French story. So yes, it you is. as our French oh, resident French expert of Hello falls from under me. Yeah, that falls under you the purview of your job role. Mm, that is, is to know my all French literature all and French, literature. French language <laughs> needs of the podcast. And I'm here for Star Wars needs Star Wars needs and that's it. 
Okay, then. Yeah. Now oh, wait, wait. You also have Anne of Green Gables under that umbrella. <laughs> Not because it's French, but because you keep bringing up the Cuthberts. So. There's a non-creepy children's story. Go read that one. Hmm. Just a plug. Can, we can make it creepy somehow. Make it. <laughs> I mean, sad. She was an orphan, but they kind of skim over all that. I feel like the newer Anne with an E series is definitely darker than the books. Are there wolves? Not or that I have seen. I brambles. Read. I watched the first few episodes, but I haven't seen all of them, so I. Hmm. I don't know. I couldn't decide as I was watching them. I was like. Do I like this different version of it, the stories that I love or not? No, that's a Netflix show, right? It's on Netflix. It's a Canadian BBC. Oh. I'm just hoping for some sort of crossover. Like if they want to just do a prequel for Stranger Things and all the stuff that happened before, why not just bring Anne of Green Gables into it? I'm so confused. What are you talking about? Anne of Green Gables has nothing to do with Stranger Things. But it will. They're like centuries apart. Yeah, How are they going to connect the two? It's a prequel. A super prequel? Like Anne's the first one to discover the the Upside Down. (laughs) You are grasping at straws. Mm, Maybe. Anyways. Let's talk about Snow White. Okay. Look, Snow White was a very different... Well, you get the same general story, but definitely some more creepy factors. Like the fact that she's only seven when she surpasses... What? Yeah. She's seven. She's seven when she surpasses the queen in beauty. And so the queen's like, she gots to go. And uh, That's horrifying. Right. So she's a child. Also, the queen should have waited for like her awkward years, you know? Seven-year-olds are still really cute, but you hit like 11, 12, 13, 14. Just set 14. the mirror mirror on the wall to like a Google alert on when, when her um, beauty level goes up and down. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Something, because, you know, she wasn't going to be that cute forever. Yeah. We all have awkward years. This story is sounding wrong all on many levels right now. Right. So she, the queen tells the huntsman to kill her. That's in the normal story. And to bring back the heart so that he can, she can guarantee that she died. Uh, but the huntsman lets her go um, and kills a hog or something instead and brings back that heart. The queen eats it, thinking that it's Snow White's heart. Oh, right. Yeah. That's just, you know. That's normal and common. Yeah. Real fun stuff there. And uh, also the mirror is the one who gives it away that Snow White's still alive. Stupid mirror. What does the mirror have to win from this situation? I guess it's just a truth-telling machine and it knows all. Somehow it knows all. How does Mm. it know all? Um, But yeah, it says, you know, she asks the whole mirror, mirror on the wall thing. And um, it says, you know. Snow White living in the glen with seven little men is more fair. And so then you know where she is and that she's still alive. Um, also, really funny that uh, even just the whole idea of Snow White, this child going to live with seven little men, you're like, well. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> Let's hope they're nice. And then there were several attempts on her life, not just the By apple. the dwarves? No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> By the wicked By stepmother. Grumpy. And uh, I thought this part was funny, though. She eats the poisoned apple, and she's laying in this glass coffin for, like, months because the dwarves thought she was too beautiful to just stick in the black ground. So I guess their plan was to, like, watch her decay in a glass coffin. And uh, so she... But she's, like, not declining, to put it nicely. She's not... She's not decaying. She's not decaying. And she's staying really beautiful. And this prince comes by and he's like, man, let me take her. And the dwarves are like, no, we don't want to let her go. And he's like, you know, I'll consider you my brethren. And he says all these really nice things, sways them. And they're like, okay, I guess you can take her. So he's just taking this coffin. Corpse. 
corpse. Yeah. And as his servants are like hauling it down this bumpy road, she like coughs up the little bit of apple that was in her throat. So she's so, been choking for this whole time? Apparently. And now that she's coughed it up, but she just like sits up and is like, where am I? <laughs> so she doesn't get kissed? No. Oh, interesting. She does not get a magical prince kiss. Although that's almost better because I mean, kissing the corpse is a real creepy thought anyway. True. So Disney made that part more creepy mm, than the original, but mm-hmm. slightly more dramatic than just coughing up an apple core. Yes. And one final thing. So she and the prince go off to get married and they have this big feast to celebrate their wedding, big ball. Was it apple themed? <laughs> yes, entirely. <laughs> 100%. And the wicked stepmother. Because, you know, she's a queen. She was invited. She goes. And then when she's there, she realizes it's Snow White. But she can't leave because, this is a quote from the thing, and it says, And when she saw her, she knew her for Snow White, and could not stir for the place of anger and terror. For they had ready red-hot iron shoes, in which she had to dance until she fell down dead. The queen had to dance in fiery burning shoes? Yes. Wow, that's a way to go. So they tortured the stepmom to death. Wow. That's brutal. Yeah. I'm finding that most of these Grimm's story tales end in some sort of uh, pointless pain. And pointless death pain and, and really torture. gruesome death. And not always at the end. Sometimes it's in the middle or the beginning. Which brings me to Rumpelstiltskin. Basically the same. I think everybody knows the story of Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah. But I love that at the very beginning, the the Milner's daughter, or the Milner, he's like, hey, my daughter, she's really beautiful. And uh, he's like talking to the queen, or the king. He's like, and uh, she can spin straw into gold, just to like make himself sound important. Right. And uh, It's a guy thing. If you can't, if you can't brag about yourself, you brag about your children. And uh, so when the king's like, okay, I want her. And the Milner's like, sure. And so she has to spin the straw into gold. And right. Rumpelstiltskin helps her out. We know all that. And the king marries her. Because, you know, after you've been threatened, spin the straw into gold or else I'll kill you. That's the guy you want to marry. <laughs> right. Right? So that's a little creepy. But at the very end, when uh, she says his name. And he says, the devil told you that, the devil told you that, cried the little man. And in his anger, he stamped with his right foot so hard that it went into the ground above his knee. (laughs) Then he seized his left foot with both his hands in such fury that he split in two. And there was an end of him. So Rumpelstiltskin ripped himself in half. Ripped himself in half. Basically. And that was the end of him. I like that ending, though. You put that on my tombstone. And that was the end of her. (laughs) Yes, I will put that on your tombstone. <laughs> me and Rump, me and Rump, we're good pals. <laughs> Went out the same way, and that was the end of them. I hope you don't go out that way. <laughs> I hope not too. Sounds terrible. Also, I don't think I have the strength to rip myself in half. Let's just, you know, strange little man that Rumpelstiltskin. That's his superpowers: is he can turn straw into gold, and he can rip himself in half. Yeah, that's talk it. about creepy. Yeah. All right, you want to hear some? Also, oh. why was he working? For her in the first place, he's like, well, what will you give me if I turn this straw to gold? And she's like, oh, a necklace. And so he does it. And then the next night, it's like, oh, a ring. And she do- he does it. And then the third night, it's like, oh, my firstborn child. I mean, that one's really creepy. Why does he want her firstborn? Um, but if he can spin straw into gold, he doesn't, why is yeah. he there taking her trinkets when maybe, he could have gold? Maybe straw is hard to come by, except for in the castle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. False. Everybody had a farm with animals, livestock. So what... Grimm's fairy tales. Do you want to talk about? 
I have everyone's favorite Grimm's story tale, the mouse, the bird, and the sausage. Oh, yeah. That's your favorite one, right? And I know everything about, about this one. About the anthropomorphic sausage cook. That sounds so familiar, but not. <laughs> Do tell. So there's a mouse, a bird, and a sausage, and they live together, and they work together in harmony. The bird gets the wood from the forest. The mouse gets the water and um, helps make the, the, the cooking fire. And as a sausage does, the sausage cooks. And there's a, a frightening illustration. Wait, the sausage does the cooking? Yes. Isn't being cooked. The sausage is the chef. Okay. At the beginning of the story, just wait. And uh, one day, I guess, Bird is tired of doing this, so they want to switch the roles up and have everyone do different things. And so the bird's going to bring the water, the mouse is going to cook, and the sausage goes to the forest. And if you know anything about sausages, is they should not go into the forest, right? <laughs> I assume they would attract a few creatures to them. So Bird gets worried because sausage hasn't come home, and he goes out and realizes dog has eaten sausage, <laughs> as dog does. And... The dog says, no, I didn't eat sausage. The sausage was carrying some forged letters. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the story. And, well, that's not the end of the story, but that's what, some forged letters, right? I don't know why you're so confused. This is your favorite story. Why would dog care that he's carrying forged letters? Because everyone knows forged letters is punishable by death. So dog ate the sausage because he was carrying forged letters. Okay. And so bird, distraught goes home and tells Mouse, and they're sad about it. But they have to go on without anthropomorphic sausage in his apron and chef's hat. Mm. And uh, Whatever will they do? And so the Mouse starts to cook, and he starts to imitate sausage, and he rolls himself around in some, like, spices, I guess, and then uh-huh. burns to death. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, and Bird was on its way home, and it comes back, and it can't find Mouse. And so Bird's all alone. And then there's a fire, you know. Their house is on fire. So Bird goes to the well to get some water, but Bird falls in the well. So they have now all died? So Bird drowns. Uh-huh. The end. <laughs> That's it. What's That's the, the point st- of this story? The lesson is don't take your sausages outside because they will get accused of forged letters. And don't let mice cook in the kitchen because They're sausage does it better. <laughs> sausage is just a better cook. Even though there's a creepy, creepy illustration by Walter Crane with the sausage and sausage has like a face. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but that it looks really... a little bit phallic and it's just, yeah. It totally does. Um, it's a creepy, creepy picture. Yeah. He looks like a slug trying to cook So that one's pretty food. good. Oh, there's this other one by Robert Anning Bell. Sausage mm-hmm. has feet in this one. He's not like slithering around like the Walter Crane. I think I prefer the Walter Crane one because it just... <laughs> It's, I'll have to post a picture of it. Yes. Um, it's so horrendous and fabulous all at the same time. But he's wearing an apron, so you know he do, He knows what he's doing. Yeah, clearly. He should not and have the gone outside. Hat. Should stick to what you're good at. Is that what the moral is? Don't yeah. try and take other people's roles. And don't forge letters because you'll get eaten by dog. Mm. Yeah. Not a dog, by dog. So another story is called The Three Snake Leaves. What's I, a snake leaf? Oh, you'll find out. So, okay. So there's a... Most of these stories involve like kings and princes and princesses or or one of the people is not a royalty and they're trying to marry princess. There's always... Right. And unfortunately, in most of these stories, the women characters are portrayed as horrible human beings. And this is one such story. There's there's not a lot of redeemable women characters in these mm. old folk tales, which is really sad, but unfortunately... Uh, so what we learn is that the, the Brothers Grimm had 
issues. Well, it wasn't even them if they were collecting these folktales. It's That's just true. society had issues. That's and, true. Um, but Isn't it great that society still has issues. We're 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 a little bit better when you read some of these stories. We're like, okay, we're at least a little bit better at telling stories. Not you yeah. know perfect representation <laughs> is. We're still hoping for better representation. I've but seen some weird stories. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's that far stretched to have a sausage cooking. People would watch movies about that today. Well, true. I'm talking about in terms of oh, through the lens in, of women okay. in fiction. Yeah, specifically saying we've grown a lot since then. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the three snake leaves, there's this man who wants to marry the princess and, uh, first sign that he shouldn't be wanting to marry this princess is that all the other men in the land haven't wanted to marry her because her stipulation is whichever of them, the two of them die, the man or the woman, the other has to get buried alive with them Hmm. after they die. So if she dies, she wants the husband to bury, right. Yeah. It does feel very Poe. So, of course... He was a fan of the Brothers Grimm. Oh, no, no doubt. Um, so, the the woman, the princess, she she falls ill, and of course she dies. And the, the man is going to run away because he doesn't want to get buried alive, and who can blame him? And right. really, that should have been a deal breaker. But, who's reinforcing this rule after she's gone? Well, the king and the guards are, because they don't let him run away. He's like, okay. They're like, no, you made a promise. You got to go to the crypt. So, he does. And so they're in the big mon- mausoleum. So it's like not really buried in the ground alive, but like in the vault area uh-huh. alive. And so he's got some food. I don't know why they gave him some food. Like he's going to die. That's like worse. <laughs> but he has some food down there, I guess. And so he's just chilling down there, kind of waiting to die. And then a snake crawls through and he freaks out and cuts it into three pieces. And then another snake crawls through and sees its three-piece snake friend and gets kind of sad. And so the snake crawls back through the wall and comes back with some snake leaves and these snake leaves must have magical properties because that the three-pieced snake mends itself and mm. comes back to life so naturally the man's like sweet i'm gonna use those snake leaves and bring my wife back to life and he does and she she comes back to life and it's great until they're going on a sea voyage and the princess and the ship captain decide that they love each other so even though this man has married her with this crazy stipulation and brought her back to life, <laughs> she and the she runs off. ship captain not only run off, they make plans to murder the man. So they throw him into the water and he drowns and dies. Um, well, but then she has to follow the stipulation, right? No, I, I think it might have been a one-way thing. Ah. Well, and she and the ship captain made plans to say like, oh, he fell into the water or fell ill or something like that. And they're going to tell the king and she's going to say, so I want to marry the ship captain now because he's been such a good friend in this trying time. Uh Um, but, uh, one of the servants rose after the prince's body and he's got some of the snake leaves. So he revives the prince. And so somehow through the magic of the servants rowing, they get back to the kingdom before the big boat gets back. (laughs) Um, obviously makes perfect sense. They're just, they're like Popeye out there. They're, they are, what's the word? Uh, they are buoyed by righteous justice to get there first yes and so they get to the king and tell him the truth and the king's upset so he tells the prince and the servant to hide like in this side area and then the princess comes and tells the king what you know tells the lie and then he's like but look through door number one and then the prince (laughs) comes through and then the princess and the captain are killed executed the end and the story the moral of that story is never take your sausage outside because there's forged letters involved (laughs) 
That's a different story. I don't know what the moral of any of these stories are half the time. No, they're all so weird. Okay, and I've got one more. This one's a little bit longer, so I won't give like a full summary, but just I'll explain some of the creepy stuff that happens. Uh Uh-huh, we'd hate to miss out on the creepy stuff. And I love this title because it's unnecessarily long, and I love long titles. This one's called The Story of the Youth Who Went Forth to Learn What Fear Was. Okay, which but is delightful. pause, really long titles, mm. not creepy, but a movie everybody should go watch. Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb? No. Oh. The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill and Came Down a Ooh, Mountain. yes. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. But also Dr. Strangelove. Yes, yes. Anyways. Okay. So what was it? The story of... The story of the youth who youth. went forth to okay. learn what CDs were. I mean, to learn what fear was. <laughs> and CDs story... and fears are the same. <laughs> yeah. And so there's this... This boy who isn't afraid of things, which um, nowadays there might be some sort of uh, mental disorder that this boy has that he he just isn't afraid of anything. There's mm-hmm. people trying to scare him, like dressed up as ghosts, and he like pushes the ghost down the stairs and he like hurts his leg and he's like whatever. And um, the the things that are trying to scare him get worse and worse and worse, and he's never afraid no matter what, which is uh-huh. somehow more scary. And uh, like they're like, oh, we'll scare him. We'll send him to the gallows where there's just three hanging bodies. And he's like, oh, no, seven men. There's seven men hanging there. I don't okay. know. Why I, uh, there's usually three. Three is like a fairy tale kind of a number. It but is. But I think seven is too. True. Seven dwarves. Seven horcruxes. No, so he's at the gallows, and these hanging bodies are shuddering in the wind, so he thinks they're cold. So he cuts them down and sets them by the fire. But they don't do anything, so he's like, "Oh, um, they're not cold." And he he hangs them back, he, like he hangs rehangs the cadavers. Ew. And um, oh, and their clothing caught fire because they were so close to the fire. But that didn't face him either. So he's hanging naked corpses back up. Right, and he was just kind of annoyed that they're that they were careless enough to let their clothes catch fire. Uh huh. Um. Oh, and so then someone else says he should go visit this haunted castle and there's like voices he hears and he doesn't even care. And like he lays down on his bed and his bed starts moving. So the bed was just like walking around. He's just like faster, faster. Um, he, he didn't <laughs> care that his, his bed was haunted. <laughs> I don't know how old this. I mean, it says boy, but he could be a little bit older. Half of a man falls down a chimney at one point. I don't know which half. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, because the boy... Is our intention to give all of our listeners nightmares? The boy was like, he's not phased by it, and he shouts up the chimney that, you know, the other half... He's waiting for the other half to fall. No, naturally. (laughs) Where's the other half? Um, (laughs) You know, you wait for the other boot to fall. You wait for the other half of the man to fall. They start bowling with human skulls. Um, (laughs) For some reason, the bowling with human skulls just made me think of Tom and uh, Ray Fiennes. No, what's his name? The, The smell guy. Hmm? What are you Sorry. talking about? <laughs> the smell guy. <laughs> Sorry, you have to be in my head. This made me think of Parks and Rec with Tom oh. Haverford and the the guy who creates all the scents. I like that you said Ray Fines. Well, no, because I was gonna say Ray Feinstein, Fine something. <laughs> I know, but that's Bullard Voldemort. I know, but what's not his the name? man who smells because <laughs> he does have has a snake nose, or maybe he smells better. Dennis Feinstein. Dennis Feinstein. There we go. <laughs> I like Ray Fines as. Like, I'm picturing Voldemort with, like, a, a perfumery. Perfume. It yeah, sounds exactly. del- really... I was going to say delightful, but I can't say that word anymore. <laughs> I've already used it once. I think I have a one-episode limit for delightful. <laughs> but it is a delightful image. Anyways, it made me think of it because I was thinking of when Dennis is like, you want to go to my private island? And he's, like, talking about the guns and things, and he's like, they, like, cut to him later, and he's like, I think that man wants to hunt me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. So, long story short, after this boy spends nights in the 
haunted castle. The king wants him to marry his daughter for some reason. I don't know why. He's proved his valor. And she gets sick of him that he's never afraid of anything. So she throws like a bucket of freezing water on him and he wakes up shuddering and it's like a punchline. But we've had to get through a lot of gross, creepy, scary stuff just for that punchline of he can shudder now. Because the whole thing is like he fear and shuddering. Gets... He never shudders, uh-huh. which the whole story means as he nev- is never afraid. Right. But the story ends with him shuddering because he's, he's cold. cold. Yeah. Wah, wah. Well, okay um, then. There's a lot of weird stories like this that um, I'm just waiting for the Disney treatment. Yeah. I need it up a little. The, the, the mouse, the bird, and the sausage on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> The kind of thing that we would not let our children watch. No. I think that's the next cinematic universe is the uh, creepy Grimm's fairy tales, but for adults. I think that's mm. that's the next uh, un, untapped um, creative force. Well, there are books. Force. True. Like Brothers Grimm. Right. The whole series. I haven't read any of them, so I'm not. The ones we're talking about? No, like. Like something made nowadays yes, about like the Brothers Grimm? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Like, I think it's them... I have no idea, really. I feel like somebody explained it to me once, and it was like the Brothers Grimm as characters, like going on adventures type thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether they're fighting evil or what, but well, there was a movie with Heath Ledger, but I mm-hmm. couldn't get through it. I don't. Uh, I don't remember that. I tried watching it once, and I just couldn't. I couldn't get through it. It was kind of it's creepy. It wasn't for kids, kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about our favorite the office inspired children's story strule peter strule peter by heinrich hoffman who is a different heinrich hoffman than the one that drew pictures of jesus i thought they were the same mm. and that was this strule peter was just like a side gig like he painted <laughs> pictures of jesus and then on the side road about um strule peter but no I, I was looking into strule peter a lot and uh yeah the first time i heard of strule peter was on the office when uh on the bring your daughter to work day uh, Dwight reads Struelpeter to the kids and freaks them out. And then our friend Lindsay, she gave me a copy of Struelpeter once. And I we had it <laughs> with us for a long time. And I think at some point you said, I don't want this in our house where our children are. Until about the time my children learn how to read and we're going to find it someday. So I think we gave it away. Um, but yeah, I was, I was looking into it. So there was this, just to back up a little bit, you, you talked about how a lot of these stories were to like scare kids into... Um, behaving properly. So there's this whole genre of of conduct literature that sort of predated stories for kids, but were just stories to yeah help kids conduct themselves better, to behave better. There was this... this just funny because I feel like that's still a, a genre in literature, but in a non-creepy way. Right. It's didactic, but not It's scary. like in a, oh, look, these children aren't being nice to their... The other children, we should be kind. You right. know, that kind of conduct Or like even all is... the Berenstain Bears books are very much yes, um, didactic in that way. Uh-huh. But yeah, they're not, none of them are really scaring children with murder. No. Um, or wolves or. We prefer to inspire anthropomorph- with kindness and love sausages. these days. But so there was this English Puritan minister, James Janeway, who wrote a token, a token for children in the 1670s, which was all about how. Because at the time, all these kids were dying from the plague. And so he was saying, well, these kids were righteous, so they get to go to heaven, which is just sounds so sad. So um, wait, the ones who died were the righteous ones? Well, not necessarily. I think he was just saying, I, I haven't read it, but um, the kids who died and were righteous obviously got to, to go to heaven uh-huh. kind of a thing. So yeah, so there was this, this genre of literature that was like that, that was very religious-based and all focused around the conduct of the children. And Struelpeter was more of a satire against 
that. Like it's meant to be interesting, ridiculous. It was meant to be kind of funny for kids, which I don't know if it missed the mark. Well, like just reading it <laughs> now in hindsight, it seems still it still reads really creepily, even uh-huh. if it was meant as satire, and was meant as um, he just wanted to make his kids laugh because there was all this conduct literature out there that was meant to be uplifting but was kind of depressing bring them all down and so um yeah strulpeter is a collection of these german um rhyming poem stories about uh these kids that are like just mildly misbehaved but horrible things happen to them um there's and there's also some racist racist stories if you just yeah just keep that in mind well at least a racist story there might be multiple i haven't read them all in a long time but um, like there's so the the title character Stuhl Peter is is shock headed Peter and he just doesn't follow a good regimen of hygiene and so he's just got crazy scraggly hair and long fingernails and he's not popular and that's that's where it starts so it's not really gruesome yet but then there's um, you know the kids that suck their thumbs and so the tailor comes and cuts off their thumbs that's the one I think that's shared in the office and then oh one one of my favorites is the dreadful story of Harriet and the matches where Harriet <laughs> keeps playing with matches and then um, the cats are all telling her hey stop playing with matches it's gonna hurt your you're gonna hurt yourself you and know then I don't sh- think of cats as uh, monitors of moral behavior yeah in Germany they are okay and <laughs> and so naturally Harriet bursts into flames and uh, the cats sort of cry over her ashes with just her boots left and by the way this is illustrated so Ooh. let me scroll down for you valerie oh man <laughs> and they're crying over her ashes being like you know we kind of told you so why are there yellow plumes coming of smoke coming up from her ashes because she was a witch <laughs> i don't know burn. why it's yellow is it yellow smoke maybe gray color was expensive that doesn't make sense the story of augustus who would not have any soup i'm convinced that this is where Roald Dahl got his idea for augustus gloop um because it's german yeah and th- these pictures are horrifying it's just a kid slowly wasting away because he won't eat soup look at him <laughs> he starts off quite um rotund yeah and gradually gets skinnier and skinnier because he won't eat He's a like soup a stick man at the end day the p- penultimate picture of him is a stick man the final is a image of his um tombstone with the bowl of soup next to it <laughs> he should have eaten his soup you know lots of parents Try that out on their kids. You'll die if you don't eat your soup? No, just, uh, you know, this you, is... You'll be Augustus? This is dinner, and if they don't eat it for dinner, then they get it for breakfast the next day, and if they don't eat it for breakfast, that's still lunch later, until eventually the child gives in and eats the food. I'm not quite so severe. So our children are picky and get away with a lot of not eating of foods. For whatever reason, when we were talking about this, I was reminded of a... All I could remember was a something about the Irish famine and a story about children and satire. Oh, and a like, modest proposal. Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you that. remembered it. Oh, I, I love to, that story. I had to look it back up. I was like, what was that? I didn't realize that it was written by um, John, what's it, Jonathan Swift mm-hmm. of Gulliver's Travel fame. Which is itself a satire or a political commentary. I'm not right. super familiar with Gulliver's Travel. Like, I know the story, but like what it's uh, trying to say, I'm not sure of but and i don't even remember the whole thing i just remember it talking about like they printed it as like a pamphlet right like sent it out i mean it's supposed to be a satire but it's talking about you know a modest proposal for preventing the children of poor people from being a burden to their parents or country and for making them beneficial to the public Hmm. and so it's talking about how much 
that by, you know, these people who are so poor and everybody had kind of been complaining, well, there's, you know, nothing to eat. And, and so many people were like, there's food, just, you know, figure it out kind of a thing. Right. Like they weren't really caring about the people who are poor. So his whole thing is talking about how um, the impoverished Irish, you know, might ease their burdens by just selling their children as food to rich gentlemen and ladies, you know, and then you could have something to eat other than potatoes. Yep. That's creepy. Yeah, very creepy satire there, Mr. Swift. I mean, he had good intentions. Well, yeah, I mean, it was satire. Yeah. It was meant to be. It was meant to be ridiculous. <laughs> that one's a little different, but for yeah. whatever reason, that one came to mind when we were talking about Struel Peter stories. Let's move forward a few more years. Yeah, let's do it. Some of the first intentional, maybe the first intentional four children stories, um, Alice in Wonderland. That or, creeps you out. Well, yes, but Alice in Wonderland was written by. Carol. What's his version? Lewis. Lewis, yeah. Lewis Carroll. And it was written for like a a friend's daughter or something, you know, like and her name was Alice. So it was written for children specifically. Mm-hmm. Um specifically Alice. And the story is creepy. But also maybe I'm blinded in that because it was one of those that my my mom doesn't like creepy stories or things that are just like weird. Psychedelic. Psychedelic off kilter kind of tales and Alice in Wonderland was one of those that she didn't really like us to watch and it is very weird I mean nobody is helpful down there it's terrifying you can't even find good directions there's all kinds of food that if you eat you grow too big or too small it's just a chaos it's just so surreal and as a child I would I wouldn't really like surreal stuff I don't know a lot of children that do like stuff that that is that yeah off the wall was Alice in we should ask our audience was Alice in Wonderland your favorite as a child? Maybe it was. I mean, I remember watching it a lot, but it was never I like all one of that it, I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch Alice in no, Wonderland. Even as know? a child, I found it frustrating. Why is no one listening to Alice? Why is nothing working out? Why is it just chaos all the time? Sounds like the life of a child. Maybe that's Who what Who allowed that queen to be queen? Can we jump forward a little bit more? Yes. Now? Move on. To some Roald Dahl. I think you love Roald Dahl. I love Roald Dahl. I'm not against Roald Dahl, but... I think you're under the impression that he's not creepy. Oh, he's creepy. Okay. Not all of his are creepy, but even the ones I feel like, well, you know, Matilda's not creepy. But then you have Mrs. Um, Trunchbull. Yeah, and the Chokey. And the Chokey. So and, that's terrifying. And, and the, the kid that's forced to eat chocolate cake. Yes. That's creepy. What's Does that happen in the book? Peter, is that his name? No. Br- his name? Bruce. Bruce. Does that right. happen in the you book? You can do it, Bruce. Go on, Brucey. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've read the book. Um, did you know Roald Dahl so. wrote a story? Wait for it. I'm coming full circle called The Gremlins. Really? Yeah. He wrote The Gremlins, which were about creepy gremlins. Because there was this folktale that ships, that uh, airplanes that crashed were due to the gremlins. And uh, which is where that Twilight Zone episode comes from. Like there's something on the wing, you know, the, the famous oh. William Shatner thing. And there was gremlins on the wing. But Steven Spielberg, who produced The Gremlins movie, it was sort of... Uh, inspired by those earlier gremlin stories like Roald Dahl's The Gremlins. So you have Roald Dahl to thank for your nightmares. Jeez. Does that mean he's not allowed to be one of my favorite children's literature authors anymore? No, I think... he inspired my nightmares? No, but I think Roald Dahl was a horrible human being. <laughs> I think we I mentioned that before in the podcast. podcast. It's a drastic thing to say. That's I need, fair. I need evidence. I don't remember what... It's one of those things where I was like, I don't want to read more into this. I'm just going to let... Because he's not like one of my favorite authors, so it doesn't really... Uh-huh affect me one way or the other but but uh yeah i'll just leave that there if you're interested l- look more into roald Dahl's life mm. i shouldn't say horrible human being i don't know 
what, what I don't remember what I had read, but can we talk about the witches, which is the most terrifying children's story so of terrifying. all time? And who had the idea to turn that into a movie? Which is the book's idea. scary. The movie is nightmare fuel. No <laughs> question, it is nightmare fuel. And I, I don't know why my parents film. let me watch that. Oh, see, I didn't see it till like once as a teenager. We watched it as children often, and I don't know why. The question is, why did you rewatch it? I don't know. <laughs> I was a skittish kid, and I don't know why I kept watching it. I don't think it like sunk in, scared me until like in hindsight. Mm. It's uh, it's so weird. Like it should have scared Explain me. Explain what is so creepy to our audience for those who haven't seen the witches. Well, you've got Angelica Houston, who is like just deliciously evil when she acts in many things and And she's um, the head witch is that her yeah and she takes off her face skin and reveals the what a witch really looks like right because they're all kind of in disguise so they've got like they wear human human skins skins, and they don't i always remember this they don't have toes witches don't don't have toes but to hide the fact that they don't have toes they wear really pointy shoes which is like super uncomfortable for them but it makes them look more human they have blue spit Oh yeah, which isn't I forgot about that's the not in the movie. Spit. That's only in the book, if I believe, if I remember right. Um, they something about their eyes. I don't remember what exactly about their eyes. Um, children stink to them. Yes, it smells so horrendous. They often lure children with candy, much like the the yeah. child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Which I need to apologize. I scared some people with my child catcher voice a few episodes <laughs> ago. I got a few people that told me that I um, gave them nightmares. That you were the nightmare fuel. Yeah. So I'm. We're going to skip over Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but just remember, it is scary, and it is a children's story. But yeah, in in the witch's movie, the scene where she pulls off her skin face mask, which you can find on YouTube. um, I do, and I don't want to go watch it. Just watch it. It's it's really scary, and (laughs) um, there's children getting turned into mice and falling into soup, and... uh, Mr. Bean almost eating them and Oh right. He like works at the hotel, huh? Yeah. Uh yeah, Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson is in that movie. Um no, but actually the scariest thing in that movie is not Angelica Houston as the head witch, although that is scary. The scariest thing is when the grandma is telling the stories about witches from her childhood and how when she grew up there was this girl that I think lived in the neighborhood. I don't remember the details and I didn't want to look it up. And uh, she, the the daughter got trapped by the witch, and she was forever eternally stuck. Well, not eternally. She was stuck in the painting. And so the dad, the daughter had gone missing, and the, they didn't know where she went. And then the dad saw her in the painting in their house. It's terrifying. And she gradually got old and in then the disappeared. Yeah. She spent her whole life in the painting. Yeah, I think it went faster. I think like the dad watched her dis- like slowly disappear over t- over a matter of that I don't sounds know how long. vaguely familiar now, and it's really that creepy. Scared me more now than I'm anything. Now I'm questioning why childhood. I liked Roald Dahl so much. I I don't remember if that was a book. I I bet it was in the book. I don't. I've you know, only read I the book like, like once. Roald Dahl but. must have been one of those who stuck to the idea that children learn best through fear. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> and fear and punishment. You think about uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. And you've got Violet 
who blows up like a blueberry and then they take her to the juicing room to squeeze her back yeah, out. So gross. And all of those children, they all did something wrong and were then punished for it. Well, yeah, exactly. I was going to bring up, so I, I read this great article at the, um, there's a publication by the University of Wisconsin in Green Bay, which is where I was getting information about um, that Puritan minister that I was mentioning, uh, Janeway. Uh, but the, the whole article is actually more about Roald Dahl and connecting this old conduct literature to what Roald Dahl was doing. And oh, okay. really, yeah, Willy so I'm Wonka. Not far off. No, you're, you were, <laughs> you were, you got there, you know, just like University of Wisconsin did. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. And it's, it's just like a n- newer, updated version of conduct literature of these kids that do horrible things and um, they're punished for it. And, <laughs> do they survive i i think in the book that um they you do see them at the end but in the movie you never do and so in the movie do they die or do, do you they really not to... see them at the end of the movie no huh he, I don't remember that. he bursts through in the 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 elevator and that's the end they're doomed to forever roam that creepy creepy tunnel with like millipedes crawling on people's faces do you remember that in the movie no uh, i love that i well, I don't know about love, but I always liked the Willy Wonka movie, although there, it is creepy in a lot of spots, but especially that part where they're going through the tunnel and it's all psychedelic and there's like almost subliminal images of a centipede or a millipede or a leech or something on someone's face. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. You've blocked all these things from I your I really have, apparently. I have to go reread all my rolled doll that are sitting on our shelf in there before our son decides to pick them up and read them. <laughs> So speaking about another older, um, but a little bit after Roald Dahl's writing, well, probably around the same time, Wizard of Oz, the movie. Well, it was a book. I've never read the book. I hear it's even, uh, I don't know about creepy, but it's Mm. more adult themed. More adult? I I think. I don't know. Maybe that's that's Wicked I'm thinking of. I don't remember. But specifically the movie, because that's what we've seen. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, she gets swept up in a tornado. There's flying monkeys. There's witches that are coming for you. There's living trees. I think oh, the trees yeah. creep me out. The monkeys didn't scare me that much. Munchkins are even a little. The munchkins are fine. They're like in a. It, they represent like the lollipop a, guild. They're like in the the Erie Valley, like the. They'll be a bust in the Hall of Fame, Valerie. They're like the ones that are like supposed to be cute and fun, but kind of miss the mark for oh, me. Oh, like, kind of like Oompa Loompas. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that with them. Uh, well, here's a problem. I think there's a long history of Hollywood of using little people to be scary characters mm-hmm. rather than just let them be characters. So, yeah, we got to mention that. Fair enough. Then let's move forward to our childhood, Casey. What movie scared you as a child? The Brave Little Toaster. That was another one we watched a lot, but there's a, I haven't seen that a creepy dying so radiator long. thing in the window. Oh, yeah. Um, and then there's... The scariest scene in all of children's cinema, which is the nightmare scene where the toaster... A bold statement. Is, all children's cinema? Yes. The, the toaster... Well, uh, other than the girl lost in the painting. So number two <laughs> is the toaster is dreaming and he dreams of the little boy getting toast from himself. But then the toaster starts to... The toast starts to burn and then smoke rises up in the kitchen. And then like the smoke monster in Lost, but way scarier, he like picks up the kid and throws him out. And then the fireman comes to put out the fire, right? But the fireman is not a fireman. It's a fire clown. And it's a scary, terrifying clown. Way scarier than Pennywise. And he's like laughing. And then 
and then all of a sudden the toaster finds himself like dangling above a bathtub because you know electronics and bathtubs don't mix and then he like falls in the bathtub and then wakes up or um i don't know it i just barely watched it and i'm already trying to block it (laughs) now i feel like we always watched brave little toaster goes to mars more than the original i never saw that one i only saw the original see and i feel like i never saw the original one but only saw the goes to mars that was me and rescuers down under i didn't know for years that there was a movie called the rescuers i only watched the rescuers down under down under is better Ooh, this is a fun connection. The Rescuers Down Under starts with the scene of the camera just like sweeping through Australia. Uh-huh. We used to always sit on a blanket like we were riding on like a magic carpet or something and flying. And then it, yes. it it's like going super fast through through the um, outback. outback. But also the witches starts with a similar scene where the camera is flying over, well, I don't know what it is, the Alps or the some snowy mountains. And we did the same thing, but we were, we were as kids, pretend we were riding on, on a sled. Huh. Which is probably my favorite part of that movie, which is was the opening credits over the snowy mountains. And that's probably why we watched it because, oh, we get to pretend to be on a sled, forgetting that, that then everything else nightmares happens. are ahead. Yeah. I always found Rasputin from, um, oh, I totally just blanked. Rasputin from... The Russian Girl. Yeah. Why did I just... What is the name of that movie? <laughs> um, Anastasia. Yes. That's not one I watched. As a, mm. as a kid so it's definitely one that i probably saw at a friend's house or something because there's no way my mom would have let me watch rasputin and his demon wielding powers uh, i feel like rasputin and the i don't know his name because i've only seen what's the uh tiana movie the princess and the frog frog princess yeah princess and the frog princess and the frog yeah i've only seen that like once too but there's like the i've never seen that one there's like the witch doctor because it's like New Orleans. And, right. And so he's like controlling spirits as well, kind of like Rasputin. And that's dark for children's stories. Also the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That, yes. That, um, he's supposed to be like a priest. Catholic dude yeah. is is really scary. That Terrifying. song is really scary. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like when you're talking about like demons and spirits, like that's not much of a hop, skip and a jump to like movies about exorcism and stuff. like that. <laughs> and yet these are children's ones. Right. Then there are those that... Oh, I thought this was funny. I was asking my mom about, or just, we were gathered with my family and we were talking about things that are scary or kids shows that were scary or even unintentionally scary. And my mom was saying that she took my older sister to, and some friends to see The Little Mermaid in theaters. And that when Ursula comes out of the water, when she's like really giant at the end and like, and like breaking the boats beneath her, she said that when she came out of the water, it was like a whole audience of little girls that just screamed. <laughs> she was like, everyone was terrified by this giant tentacled lady coming out of the water <laughs> on a giant screen. I thought that was fascinating. Ursula is terrifying. She steals the voice. She's manipulative. She like is trying to control Prince Eric, like marry him. Creepy. Yeah, I think that most children's movies aren't as scary now. I think they've, over the years, all the way back from those original folk tales and 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 uh, fairy tales, and then through like I mean that's a big gap, but through to the Disney Renaissance, and then to now, I think there's a vast change from scary to less and less scary. You think so? I yeah, I mean, and is that good or bad for our children? I, I don't know. Yeah, for better, we be for better or worse, <laughs> they're less scary, and um, I do feel like. I don't know. The movies that we tend to let our children see are ones that have some kind of a challenge in them instead of some really creepy character. But our children are, well, at least our son, he's naturally timid about scary things. Yeah, but he's scared about scary things that most kids 
aren't like um just situational stuff like just drama versus like he'll watch darth vader no big deal he knows Uh that he's the villain and he yeah that's fine but yeah little things like for the longest time well when he was literally three four he in the movie cars when the big you know frank the big combine chases him down for tractor tipping he like would not watch that for years it's terrifying to him right so if you can't even handle frank the combine chasing them for five seconds mm-hmm. like there's no way i'm gonna share him show him rasputin of my childhood <laughs> <laughs> right or witches yeah <laughs> well nobody should see witches that's what we Except for you want everyone to go watch the face pulling as an off adult, scene. As an adult, go watch Witches and um, and you'll be scared. Keep in mind that, I mean, we've said it many, many times. You and I are not scary movie people. It's true. Um, so if, if you're not a scary movie person, maybe don't go watch that scene of Witches where she pulls off her face skin. But but you should go watch that scene in Witches where she pulls off her face skin. <laughs> just, to, just to get the full effect of what I'm talking about. You know, Halloween's right around the weekend corner here and... Uh, you got to scare yourself just a smidge. And then for dessert, watch the scene where the girl gets trapped in the painting. <laughs> and then you can top it off with a brave little toaster dream sequence. And then read some Peter as you fall asleep. He's really living it up. Can I mention one thing? Because the clown from the brave little toaster reminded me. Yeah. Then there are those shows that are meant to be like for little kids and like fun, lighthearted. Um, I don't know if you remember The Big Comfy Couch. No, I don't. It's basically... Like a toddler show. And it's about this family of clowns that live inside a big comfy couch. And you as an audience like go into the big comfy couch and like live in their world. So What do they say to lure the cameraman into the couch? <laughs> like is there a phrase? I don't remember. There probably is. I don't remember. It's been so long since Just I've seen it. Actually don't say it because then they'll come. So. <laughs> then they'll come out of our couch? Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of things in there. so Which is just so funny because it's one of those things where it's meant to be silly and fun and, you know, but our a adult magical brain world. makes it creepy. Yeah. Because a kid doesn't really think that way. But. No. But when you're like, why are there clowns living in the couch? It's terrifying. Which reminds me of the Studio C comedy all about the couch kingdoms. Right. Those are pretty good. That's not as creepy, though. No, those aren't as creepy. Those are funnier. More Teletubbies funny. was creepy. Teletubbies is so creepy. I mean, there's what a child son. Four alien People with a child's son, I don't know. I don't want to go to that and galaxy. And their tummies are tellies. Are tellies. Are televisions. Like, they have a screen on their stomachs. Like, why? Well, and the scariest thing... Are they part thing, cyborg? The scariest thing is that the writers wrote half an episode and, and repeated it twice. Yeah, it did totally repeat. I'd forgotten about that. Also, the way they walk. They're supposed oh. to walk kind of like toddlers. They're all, that like, song's, waddly. That song's pretty catchy, though, let's be honest. What, the time for Teletubbies? Time for Teletubbies. Tinky Winky. Oh, yeah. Dipsy. (laughs) La La. Poe. That's always back to Edgar Allan Poe. Teletubbies. Or Poe Dameron. Say hello. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Can't believe I remember that. Say hello. Thanks for bringing that back. From elsewhere. Uh, (laughs) Is that our new theme song? Yeah. Say hello. From elsewhere. No, let's not. Any other things we forgot to mention? No, I'm creeped out enough. I know. Are we going to be able to sleep tonight? I don't know why we did this yeah. episode. Who's? This was your idea. <laughs> why? Halloween time. It's the one time of year where even I am like, well, you know, I'll rewatch my least favorite childhood movies that kind of creep me out. That's my level of creepiness for Halloween. Hmm. Not like that year that you and your parents showed me Psycho. 
and why we were engaged. It's so good. That's such a good movie. And I was like, Halloween night. We were hanging out at your parents' house. We were delivering candy. And every time I the doorbell rang, every time the doorbell rang, I was like, I'll go get the candy. <laughs> like, That's surprising. What if it was Norman Bates? Because I, I was trying to get away from the movie but what and if deliver Norman Bates candy was to cute little at children. The door? Why are you giving me nightmares? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Just, <laughs> just think of a child in our paintings. That's That'll help worse. you feel better. Uh, we've yeah. solidly creeped ourselves out here. We but, hope we have creeped you too. Apparently, that yeah. was our goal. For we better this get out of this juicing room because it's really uh, sticky. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's not a lot of room in here, and they're rolling violet in, so mm. we got to get out. But before we end the episode, Valerie, we have some a big announcement. Yes, Valerie is podcast (laughs) valerie's podcast valerie's not that other word i was gonna say but you're so mean to the audience i know it's just becoming a running thing so (laughs) but no um yeah we have a big announcement so november is the month that we started this podcast november 2018 so this year november 2019 will be our one year podcast anniversary we're very glad to still be doing this that's pretty uh Pretty impressive for a creative project of mine. To Not be just still doing it, but still enjoying it. Still enjoying it. We have a few listeners out there, which is fun, and uh, we have a million more ideas that we want to talk about. Right, and and every time we think, oh, what are we going to talk about next? And then we look at our list, and we're like, oh, we can talk about this list. or that or this. Right. Uh, yeah. So our announcement is nothing's really uh, going away. We're still going to do the our biweekly every every two week episode. That we love doing and it's that's gonna be the exact same but we want to add some more content for you our faithful listeners so we are going to start doing some interview episodes very excited about that yeah casey and i'll take turns interviewing people yeah people with podcasts people authors that we know just some fun things that we're excited about yeah just some creative people that we uh, want to talk to creative people yeah, so I've been wanting to have people, other people on the podcast for a while, but also that gives me a lot of social anxiety. And we have had one person on the podcast long, long ago when we first started. Um, my cousin Beth was kind enough, kind enough to join us as a linguist for our arrival episode. I'm That's very, very good proud of that episode uh, content-wise, but it, it took a lot out of me. Um, not from Beth's side. Beth was great, just me personally. I don't know why. I just get anxious about it. And But I also still wanted to have people on. Our, our podcast so we decided to do these short little interview sort of side bonus episodes so to speak we'll do about one a month maybe we'll get two for the for the first month to sort of celebrate the one year of hello from elsewhere very excited the first interview will be with ethan edchill of bacon and eggs a movie lovers podcast i'm so excited i've already recorded it it was an awesome episode and then i'm also very upset because sincerely us the podcast also had their first interview guest <laughs> and it was also Ethan Edchill of Bacon and Eggs, a movie lovers podcast. We're just on the same brain wavelength. We it keeps happening. It's happened yeah. so many times, and it's really weird. And it's kind Basically, of basically we're me out. besties from across the country, right? Because we keep thinking about the same things. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we love Eni and Becca, and I'm not really mad. It's just it's just strange. It's just weird. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited for the for to post the interview with Ethan. It was a lot of fun, and basically these interviews will be short 15 to 30 minute interviews where I ask the guest or Valerie asks the guest the big question of what piece of fiction do you love above all others which is honestly a really hard question and Ethan and I get into um, whether that was hard for him or not and 
yeah, with the guests, we'll kind of explore what is hard about that question, as well as the actual answer that they give. And, and then we'll end the interviews with some rapid fire fun questions as well. And like I said, I'm super, super excited. It was a really good, really good interview that I had with Ethan. And we have some more ideas for other people to interview, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, check that out. Our first one we're going to have next week. So that'll be awesome. Very exciting. Well, let's end this episode properly. Don't forget to engage with us on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps people find us, listeners like you. And we really appreciate it. Thank you for those who have left reviews. We're sorry if we've creeped you out too much. Yeah, really sorry. This won't this won't happen again. We'll get back to the really happy to stuff. To our normal happy beeps. Yeah, our normal non-creepy beeps. So... Creepy beeps. <laughs>